Support for Eagles Enemies is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 2.0, very similar to how we hope Howie Roseman has sat down with this Eagles front office and constructed the ultimate roster. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes. So you can take a longer, you can shave for the duration of one and a half football games. That simple. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology that's about as fast as the Eagles wide receivers will be running down the field all season long catching passes from Carson Wentz. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by the simple USB. If you are listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours and get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Like I said, get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code USP. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get into Season 3, Episode 1 of Eagles Enemies. Presented by Underground Sports, Philadelphia. Reach out, it could be better than a fantasy. I got my levels out of place last night was a long one Looking for a quick fix, looking for a shortcut But if I want a game plan uh, for the long run What do I bring to the table, said dumb luck There's a good chance the last thing I pick up Will show up in my sleep and crash all my dreams With some shit I won't repeat Cause it's not what I'm proud of Some heaviness, some pettiness, some things I'm ashamed of Alright Eagles fans, I don't know if you expected a win Against a potential MVP of the 2020 season last week Against the Packers I certainly didn't, but I didn't expect things to get where they are now We have a new starting quarterback going up against the Saints this week And I don't think it could be any worse of a situation right now and we're going to break down this game on another edition right here of Eagles Enemies presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. KB hanging out with you and coming back to a joyous return to Eagles Enemies, the one and only Ralph Malbro. What's going on, man? Welcome back to the show. 
Thanks for having me, Kyle. I know it's a uh, it's a rough year for y'all. It's surprising to me that that when the NFL the NFC East was a disaster, I was like, "Well, the Eagles they they always get it together. They win in that division. They'll get it together." And y'all just didn't. And y'all like went off the rails into the ditch, set yourself on fire, and are kind of maybe the worst team in that division, which seems impossible yet true it is an absolute disaster right now uh i have no clue what's gonna happen but i don't think i i tweeted this the other day i don't think i have ever wanted a football season to end sooner than i have wanted the 2020 season to come to an end which is the complete opposite for you and the new orleans saints let's talk about this team because i think one of the big reasons the eagles are a disaster is they're losing one of the voices in the locker room who now plays for your new orleans saints and that's Malcolm Jenkins. First of all, how did Sean Payton let his consecutive snap streak end? Second of know. all, <laughs> how nice is it having Malcolm back with your New Orleans well, Saints? Well, I don't know. I guess they, they needed to make his, his streak end so they could rest him for the playoffs. And and he's been a tremendous addition. And, when, and at the beginning of the year... You know, he came in and he struggled the first couple weeks. And we were like, oh, man, Sean Payton has brought on, you know, he, he has a tendency to do this, bring guys back that he regrets letting leave. And it doesn't always work out. And we were like, oh, man, he, you know, they went to they went to Las Vegas and Darren Waller just obliterated him and obliterated the Saints. And they lost. And we were like, oh, my God, is Malcolm Jenkins washed? This is he's not looking good. But he has been a monster the last four or five weeks. I mean, he he shut, you know, you know, and I know Gronkowski isn't what he was and Jimmy Graham what he was, but that's really the time where he started just erasing tight ends. And I know you might say, well, Jimmy Graham's washed. What's the big deal? The Saints used to get murdered by tight ends. So to have this ability to just have like Malcolm Jenkins be like, I'm just going to erase that tight end for you. Like it's been tremendous. He's been a guy that has just infused leadership into the secondary. What he did at Philadelphia um, and this team, he was sort of one of the main reasons at the beginning of the year, you may not know this because you don't follow the Saints thing as close as, as I do, but their defense, the secondary is supposed to be like the strength of the team, right? They had all this depth at corner and they out and Malcolm Jenkins and they were just blowing coverages left and right. And they were having penalties and it sort of all crescendoed against green Bay where like they had penalties. They, they, Aaron Rodgers killed them on the bootleg and Malcolm Jenkins is one of the main reasons they clean that up. And their secondary is – it is rolling, and it's been rolling even with injuries. And the big key, the big key of that, I think, is Malcolm Jenkins, uh, Marcus Williams, C.D. Deuce, a.k.a. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, a.k.a. the guy that everyone in the world wants to punch in the face. <laughs> um, and they've just been – they've just been outstanding it, on defense from front to back. It's the best Saints de- – it's the best Saints defense in a generation. Like, it's the best defense they've had since the 91-92 Dome Patrol, which is like a 1,000 years ago. Now, another quick spin-off question. Will we see Chauncey Gardner-Johnson fight one of the Paul brothers since he likes to get punched in the face all the time? I mean, the thing is with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is he's he is a – unbelievable pest but he usually last week was the first time he ever got a penalty he he got a penalty against the uh atlanta usually like against the bears the dude hit him and he just doesn't even he just doesn't even react so usually he instigates it doesn't react and then draws the penalty put it this way against atlanta um calvin ridley 
was so infuriated with Chauncey Gardner Johnson. The last play of the game on the Hail Mary, Ridley didn't even attempt to catch the ball. He was just like, I want to go blast Garner Johnson. Like that's the level of, uh, I don't know if I can curse, but that's the level of, that's the level of asshole that Chauncey Garner Johnson is and delivers. He's so bad. He's got, he's got a dude suspended from the bears. He's got a dude on the Saints team. Michael Thomas got suspended because <laughs> Michael Thomas hit him in the face. Like, that dude is like the heir apparent to Cortland Finnegan. He's just a shit-stirring son of a bitch. But he's our shit-stirring son of a bitch, so we kind of love him. Um, but he just – that dude, he – you know how they have some people that are, like, down to fight? He's ready to fight all the time. He's like, like Scrappy-Doo and Scooby-Doo. Yeah, he's, he's a little bitty <laughs> Scrappy dude, but he's 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 a, he's incredibly good, and he's just another one of those guys that stays found in the mid-rounds mid that's just fantastic. Was there any truth to the report that Malcolm Jenkins called Michael Thomas Slam Boy? <laughs> no, there's no truth to it, but I can imagine Chauncey Gardner Johnson did, and Michael Thomas punched him in the face. I I ate that up. That was absolutely incredible because when it comes to Michael Thomas, like yes, he's a fantastic wide receiver, but it's also one of those things. I think everybody from the outside that aren't Saints fans get annoyed that like he gets pumped up with all of these phenomenal stats when it is true that he is a, a slant running machine. He is, he is a slant. The thing is with Michael Thomas is he is a slant running machine. And the thing is for him, and I know Taysom's probably going to play this week, so it's not necessarily a great sort of comparison or whatever. But if you designed a receiver, if you designed the perfect receiver for a Hall of Fame quarterback that his his arm strength is declining, but everything else is still great. Like Michael Thomas would be the perfect receiver. Like the reason Drew Brees has stayed at this incredible level these last four years is because of Michael Thomas. Like as Drew Brees' arm strength has gone and he can't throw the deep ball anymore, a dot or whatever you want to talk about. And he can't throw those hard, you know, 25, 30 yards out patterns right anymore from Michael Thomas came along and it's like, Sean Payne's like, it's not a problem, Drew. We're just going to run Michael Thomas on a slant, and you can do perfect ball placement, and he can out physical dudes at the hash mark for shorter routes, and it's fine. So, like, I think Michael Thomas has really – I wouldn't say that it's, it's he's extended Drew Brees' career, but he's extended Drew Brees' greatness. Like, Drew Brees wouldn't be as great these last four years if it wasn't for Michael Thomas. Like, there's – there's there's better receivers in the NFL, but in my mind, there's no better receiver for Drew Brees right now than Michael Thomas. But yes, it is mostly mostly slants and short routes. Does Sean Payton love Latavius Murray or does he hate Alvin Kamara? Well, that's the thing that's been going on lately, right? Well, first off, Alvin Kamara has a hurt foot and he doesn't practice one day a week, and we have a theory on our podcast that he is clearly, even before sort of Taysom took over, he Sean Payton has clearly decided, I'm managing Alvin Kamara's snaps for the playoffs. Because really, if you look at the Saints, their struggles last year, and, and a big part of the reason they lost to Minnesota is Kamara, but he was playing, but he wasn't right. 
And it's, I think what happened in the final game of the year or the second to last game of the year against Tennessee last year and against Carolina, Alvin Kamara had a couple of long touchdown runs. And I think it tricked Sean Payton into thinking, oh, he's back healthy. He's good to go. And he wasn't. And you could see it all the second half, mostly, most of the year, and especially in the playoff game. Like he didn't have that explosiveness that he usually has. So my theory and our theory on the podcast is they are specifically like, you know what? We're not going to give Alvin carries and touches unless we have to. Like the Denver game, when when they found out all the Denver quarterbacks. Yeah, like they were found out that that, that Denver couldn't play their quarterbacks. And Sean Payton admitted, he's like, yeah, when we found out they weren't playing quarterback, we just told Taysom, don't fuck this up. Do not turn the ball over. Like they cannot score. Don't you dare turn the ball over. And I think they made the decision. They're like, we're going to beat Denver. Like, why are we going to give, why are we going to give Alvin Kamara 25 touches in this game? Like, just give it, give it to Murray and let him have the yards and the touchdowns. Alvin doesn't care because we already paid him. Right. So it's not that big a deal. And I just think they're, I think they're going to limit, I think they're going to limit Alvin's touches, especially maybe against y'all, because y'all struggle against the run. I think it could be another quiet game for Kamara. I think they may unleash Kamara against Kansas City and against the resurgent Minnesota team because they don't need to. But in games where they're favored and they, and they get up, like Murray's getting those touches. Like if you have Murray in fantasy and you think the Saints are going to win or, or blow a team out, like especially against maybe you guys and maybe uh, – Carolina to the end of the year, like Murray is the play and to get off the sidetrack. Murray is the play in fantasy because they the Saints just want to limit Kamara's touches. It's interesting because he seems like, you know, Alvin Kamara was one of those guys in real life football and fantasy football that was like being propped up as like a potential MVP candidate yeah. this year. A guy that was going to score a lot of touchdowns. The Saints offense was like ready to roll and it, it just hasn't turned out that way. Well, it was. He was rolling in the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. but he kind of hurt his foot, and they've they've kind of dialed it back. And I think, you know, it's just the thing with the Saints is, you know, besides the no call in in twenty eighteen against the Rams, the thing that's really damaged them and cost them playoffs is injuries, and their offensive line has been beat to hell the last two years in the playoffs against the Rams. It caught up with them because it was a combination of dudes that were trying to play hurt. Andres Pete, of course, broke his hand against you guys and or broke his hand the last week of the year, played against you guys, he got whipped in the middle. Y'all jumped out on him. And, you know, the other thing, you know, um Ramcheck was playing with the Robo Robocop arm. And, you know, Minnesota whipped them on the whipped them on the interior. And in the NFC championship game, they lost both of the tight ends, their first two. So they couldn't run the ball. So, you know, the key for the Saints is they gotta get in the playoffs, but they also got to be healthy. Right. And that's just the luck of the draw. You, you guys know that. Like, y'all have been beat to hell the last two years. And, like, why did, why, why does one team stay healthy and one team not? Like, it's just the luck of the draw. And it evens out over a, a period of time, usually. Um, but health is one of those things where the Saints, I think they're, they're, they're specifically trying to manage dudes to try to be as healthy as they can in the stretch run. But, of course, in the NFC, they have no margin for error because they lost to Green Bay. So, we might be looking at 13 and three and having no buy again. One thing that I think a lot of people don't talk about is the trenches. And there's a local connection on the saints too. Mm-hmm. South Jersey kids, Cesar Ruiz, uh, you know, draft pick for you guys this year. How has he kind of been uh, in his first year with the saints and, you know, 
what's kind of your future outlook for him on this offensive line? Well, he's been it's been a struggle. It's been a real struggle for him. You know, my the co-host on our podcast, Andrew Duke, he grades the film every week every play and Caesar Reese has been struggling and he lost his starting job last week to Nick Easton um who's a journey, sort of a journeyman guard you know and I just think with the Saints um Reese not having an offseason with the Saints offensive line and their complications their complicated offense and such it's been a real struggle for him you see him flash potential at times but he's been kind of a disappointment I mean they 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 moved on from Larry Warford because they 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 decided they needed to do something. They needed to get better at guard, and they added a reason. It hasn't really worked out the way they wanted. And of course, Saints fans are like, "You drafted a reason. You could have had just you could have had Justin Jefferson. You could have had all these receivers, and you picked this guard, and this guard isn't even playing." Um, so it's been it's been a struggle for him. But I will say, I've seen enough to 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 think he's gonna he's gonna be okay. Um, it's just, it's just one of those, it's just one of those years where, you know, the only real guy on the saints rookie draft class that has really made an impact is Troutman, uh, the tight end that they traded like four picks to get the rest of the rookie class has not been, uh, not really been that impactful, although it would be hard because the saints roster is so deep and veteran stacked. Hey, I I know all too well about the the quote you could have had Justin Jefferson. <laughs> I've heard that a million and one times this season, and it has been absolutely ludicrous. But let's talk about the uh, the the heavyweight matchup this week. Jalen Hurts, everyone's supposed. Oh, the Eagles are drafting him to be Taysom Hill versus Taysom Hill. Taysom's look good, and he's made me look like an absolute fool. Uh, in the games he's played, what's been clicking for him, you know, finally getting a chance to actually play quarterback instead of being this gadget guy? Well, the thing I think people, I think experts sort of have overlooked with Taysom, because he's been a gadget guy for the Saints for so long, they sort of dismiss those four years that he played quarterback at BYU. And I think the point that we've made on the podcast is that Taysom Hill is not this gadget player playing quarterback. He was a quarterback that basically the saints said, Hey dude, if you want to stay in the NFL, why don't you go cover kickoffs? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And Taysom Hill made the decision. Hey, if I want to stay in the NFL, I, I got to do all these things and maybe I'll get my shot at quarterback. Right. You know, it's sort of the opposite of Tim Tebow. Tim, Tim Tebow was like, I'm not playing H back. I don't want to be fucking punt protector. I'm Tim Tebow. I want a Heisman. I'm a quarterback. Period. End of discussion. Right? And he's out. The, he was out the league. Taysom just sort of waited his time. Waited his time. And the thing with Saints is they always said, you know, Sean Payton said this after his first start where he looked good and he was better throwing the ball than I think a lot of people, you and experts thought. He's like, look, I understand that you guys want to be right, and you don't, and, and, and so the, the opinions on Twitter and social media become exaggerated. But he's like, and, but you guys, you only see him play three, four, five plays a game, and one of those plays is a pass play, so it doesn't work out, and he doesn't make the read, correct read, and he runs, so you don't think he can process, and you don't keep thinking he can throw. I see it in practice, and I think that's the thing you see with Taysom. Like, he made a throw against Atlanta, Kyle, third and seventeen. Michael Thomas is running that deep out that we talked about. Drew Brees can't. Drew Brees wouldn't even have attempted it. 
Taysom Hill put it on the money. It was a first down for the Saints. They go down and score. The thing with Taysom is his process of getting better. His running is amazing in a 43-yard run against Atlanta. That, that I believe there's only the only quarterback that can run even close to him is Lamar Jackson. Like Taysom Hill, he gets into the secondary. He's looking to score. The problem for Taysom, his ball security is atrocious. He has nine fumbles. Now, two of those are they credit him with a fumble because Alvin Kamara fumbled a pitch. So that's a little weird. I don't know why the NFL credits those to him. But he's had nine fumbles. He's had six fumbles to start in three games. And his fumble basically cost him a chance to win the Green Bay game. So he's got to get the fumbling corrected because the Saints have been pretty lucky in that they've put the ball on the ground a ton, but they've still recovered like 70% of their own fumbles. But you probably know, like that, like creating a fumble, that's skill. Recovering a fumble, that's just pure and utter fucking luck, right? And they had a game. He fumbled against Atlanta late, and that ball, Kyle, it bounced on the sideline. I swear to God, I think it was bouncing on the sideline before it went out of bounds for like five minutes, and it was screaming out to the Falcons, pick me up, scoop and score, steal this game. And it, it just went out of bounds. Saints ended up winning. But his ball security, it's it's been atrocious. And I'm going to tell you, if it doesn't get fixed, He's good. I think that Sean Payton, if he'll treat him like a running back when Drew Brees gets back and Drew Brees is a quarterback, like if Taysom continues to fumble, even when Drew gets back in the regular season, I think Sean Payton will have no choice but to be like, look, Taysom, I, I can't put you in these packages. I can't put you in these goal lines to run power because you're fucking fumbling. So uh, it's something to look at. And it's something I think you guys should be on the lookout for if you're going to have a chance Sunday to, uh, you got to get turnovers, and that's one way to get them. What's been your assessment of the Emmanuel Sanders signing? Because I feel like a lot of people thought like this was finally the time where the Saints have wide receiver one, wide receiver two locked yeah. in, and Emmanuel Sanders doesn't even have 500 receiving yards this year. Obviously, he missed a few games, but what's kind of been the issue with the Saints team trying to get passes in the hands of other receivers not named Michael Thomas? Well, it's it's interesting because Emmanuel Sanders he started out he started out kind of slow, and it really picked up, you know, because Michael Thomas has been out because of his because of his ankle issue and then it, the hamstring issue. He was fantastic in the Detroit game, and then in, in the game against the Chargers, which quite honestly, if we're if we're if we're going to be real about it, like the Chargers should have fucking won that game. The dude right. just misses. Then the Chargers he dunked it off the he dunked, dunked it off the post, and the Saints ended up winning. But Emmanuel Sanders was a he was a monster in that game, and we were like we were like hallelujah, we have enough, we have enough, we have a second receiver, and he was rolling, and he had this chemistry of breeze, you know, because he, he said, look, the Saints' offense is re- it's really complicated, and I had to work really hard to get on the same page as Drew and understand what what the hell I was doing. And he had it, and we were like, this is it. And then he got COVID, and he hasn't really been the same since they've had COVID. But the thing is for the Saints is the last couple of weeks, you know, the Denver game, just throw it out because that, that was just an mm-hmm. abomination. It was just an abomination and, and a shit show. Let's be let's just be real about what it was. Um, but you take that aside, like Michael Thomas is back to being Michael Thomas. And when that happens, he sort of sort of sucks all the oxygen out of the room as far as passes. And I think Emmanuel Sanders is going to come around and be a bigger factor because, unfortunately, Jared Cook, he's regressed to being the Jared Cook that he was like three years ago, where he's like this incredible physical specimen and he's awesome and he can get open. 
but he can't catch the ball. So like, uh, I think Emmanuel Sanders, he's going to come, he's going to come back around. And the thing with him is we don't, as Saints fans, we don't even care about his statistics. What we care about for him is like when we get in a big game against Kansas City or a playoff game, it's third and four or third and five, and you're in a, a, te- a playoff game against a good team, and that good team is like, you know what, Saints? Fucking Michael Thompson catching this ball. I don't care if we have to two guys, whatever. He's not catching the ball. That's the time when Emmanuel Sanders – if he makes a big third down catch to help the Saints win a playoff game or makes a big third down catch to beat Kansas City, that's the time we'll be like, yep, that was worth it. Eight million dollars well spent, Mickey Loomis. Congratulations. Like that's what that's what he is here for for the Saints. Because that's what they've really missed in big games. If, besides everything else in the playoffs, besides the no call, the injuries to the offensive line. And no second option at wide receiver has really been their downfall in the playoffs the last two years. Why do you think it's been so difficult for Traquan Smith to like kind of like process? And he, he seems like on paper, like the prototypical type of receiver you want in your offense for the skill set he has. Yeah. Why has it been so difficult for like him to just get it going? He's a he's a strange one because I I say. He is a Hall of Fame receiver when other teams forget he exists. Like he he has That's like the perfect play- assessment. He has these plays where you're like, there's no one within ten yards of him. They literally forgot he was on the field. Um, he's a he he he's a guy. He he and and it's not it's not like one thing with him, right? It isn't like oh. He doesn't know, you know, he struggled with the offense for a little bit, but now he's got it. Now he's got it down and, he, and his hands are good enough. And Sean Payton loves him because he's a willing blocker. Right. So I think he's got a, even if he doesn't have necessarily value to other teams, since he's going to be a free agent after this year, like he has value to the saints because saints value receivers highly. They can play different spots and will block. So I think he has a future with the saints, but he's been, he's been incredibly frustrating in the sense of like, they played Detroit. And they needed to kill the clock. Third down, he made a ridiculous catch. Saints got a first down, ran out the clock. So he's got all these physical skills, and he just it just never quite comes together. And you you guys know you've because you've cycled through all these receivers. Usually, with like a receiver, it'll be like one thing. It'll be like he doesn't know the routes, he doesn't catch, he doesn't do this, and it's like one thing that you can point to. With him, it's not one thing. And he's one of those guys is like his breakout year is a year away and it always will be. That's what I, that's what I worry about him. Yeah. Do we know about receivers like that? Nelson Aguilar. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Why do you think the, the saints or whoever, you know, potentially put that information out there about Drew Brees trying to play this week? I just don't see the value in even like letting that information get out there because you're playing against an Eagles team that is, you know, all hell has broken loose and it's literally the this is fine meme. Uh, why do you think the Saints are like trying to ramp up that that timetable for Drew when they can kind of just take their time and wait for that Kansas City game? Well, I think as far I think part of it is Sean Payton always likes to play games, right? Like he didn't announce he when 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 Drew Brees was hurt, they didn't announce Jameis or Taysom right till late in the week, and everybody's like, "What they're playing?" I remember when when my friend who has sources texted me, he's like, "They're playing this. It's going to be Taysom." I was like, "What?" All the things they said about Taysom being the guy is true. 
Um, so I think it's a little bit of that, like, like, uh, keep the Eagles on their toes or whatever. Um, but the other part of it is I just think Drew Brees is a, is a psychopath and he wants to play. (laughs) So like, so like, you know, he leaks it to Ed Werder that I'm feeling good. Like, like that's the thing with Drew Brees. Like, and I mean this in the, the most loving way possible, Kyle, he is a fucking psychopath. Like he enjoys the process and working his way back to health more so than any other Saints player I've ever seen. And the thing is, that's why, you know, after the 49er game when he got hurt, he was he's usually super positive, even after other, you know, in the injury in, in, 2019, in 2019 when he, he was more positive. He was so down and depressed after that game. We were like, man, he is he is down and depressed. We were wondering what's wrong. And then, of course, I come out there, like, he's got a thousand broken ribs. We're like, well, there you go. But I also, I also think, Kyle, is, remember, he signed that deal with NBC, right, to be, to be on Notre Dame football, right, when he's done playing. So this is his last year. And I think he knows it. So I just think he knows this is it for me. I want to fucking play in these games because I only have so many of them left. Right. So he's going to work like a maniac to try to get back. So it's on the saints to say, Hey, Drew, we love you, but we're going to play Taysom against Philly. And, and you know, you can play against Kansas city. Um, but that's, that's why, that's why all the things about is Drew Brees or is he not going to play this week? That's why it's sort of boiling to the surface. It's a bunch of things. What are your expectations for this Saints team heading into this game against the Eagles, knowing that, you know, this Eagles team is not what they once were. It's not like 2018 or 2017. And there's a real possibility that we could see, you know, some Saints backups by halftime with how bad this Eagles team is. What are your expectations going into it for the Saints? And who do you think is going to be the guy that flashes uh, and, you know, kind of just puts this game away? Well, I think the thing is for, for the Saints is – you know, Saints fans sort of worry because we've seen rookie quarterbacks and no no name quarterbacks and mediocre ones sort of rip rip the Saints to shreds. You know, but my thing is, you know, rookie quarterbacks start making their first serve, they'll have great games or good games against mediocre defenses or bad defenses with problems. Like this Saints defense is killing people like their pass rush Kyle they have Cam Jordan coming on he's got six and a half they have Onyemata he's got six they got Trey Hendrickson he's got ten and a half like they just have this and even Carl Granderson is like a UDFA from last year he's got like they just have waves and waves of dudes coming at you at a pass rush and you guys offensive line that's a struggle so shambles you know, I just think I just think with Jalen Hurts, I I just I know he looked good against Green Bay, and I even tweeted out "Fly Eagles, fly!" When y'all got to within a score, I was like, "Hey, Eagles, come and do this, baby! Get beat Green Bay for us." But I just think the Saints are going to sort of do what they did to um, Minshew last year in Jacksonville, where they're like, "Hey, man, we know that you like to run. You're great throwing on the move. You're mobile." We're not going to let you get outside the pocket. We're even maybe going to slow rush you and keep you inside that pocket and make you throw the ball to beat us. And I think Jared, uh, Jalen Hurts is going to have a he's going to have a rough kind of game. And you know the the key for the Eagles is the hardest thing is the Saints the the one thing Kyle that they've done the last four years maybe better than offense specialty anything you want to name it. The one fucking thing the Saints have done the last four years is when they decide you are not running the ball, 
you are not fucking running the ball. Like, and it's been against anybody. And I know the stat that they haven't had a hundred yard rusher against them in, in like four years. And that's sort of weird because teams don't run the ball as much. And it's kind of a silly stat. But I think the point is, is like the Eagles, y'all aren't fucking running the ball. Like the Saints, they're just not, they're like, they're not going to allow it. So like, they're going to put it on Jalen Hurts. And I think, you know, stat nerds and all these people, they say, well, running's not important and, and, and run defense is overrated and all this. But I think the Saints sort of have this old school recipe on defense in that, like, they're like, you're not fucking running the ball and we're going to get you in third and long. And if you can beat us in third and long, good for you. But mostly it's not. And I just think for you guys with a rookie quarterback, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to say, well, if we have, you know, Jalen Hurts, maybe we can run 30 times for 150 and eat the clock and do all this. Like that's not going to happen against the Saints defense, so it's going to be on him. So I think this, I think it's going to be a struggle. Who would be the Saints' offensive? Who would be a Saints' uh, person to shine? I'll give you a name that's kind of out of the ordinary. They got Kawan Alexander from San Francisco for like a fifth round pick, and he is healthy and he is he is dynamic. Like in the pass in pass coverage, and he gives their he gives their linebackers a dimension not a dimension that they haven't had because demario davis is amazing but it gives them depth and it gives them two guys instead of one and i think really the saints looked at their defense at the trade deadline and they tried to do some other things but kyle i really think they looked at it and they're like we have to get a linebacker because if we don't get another linebacker and something happens to demario davis we're fucked at linebacker so they went out and got one because the saints are always willing to do stuff and I think he's been a guy that's been a tre- he's been a tremendous addition to their defense, and it just it just adds another layer, and another guy that's so good, you know. It's gonna be I'm terrified for this game, mostly because this offensive line is in shambles, and then you're gonna throw a rookie quarterback for his first start in against the number one defense in the NFL. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> another uh, name, another name I was gonna throw at you is he's he was he was hurt last week with a with a hamstring. But you guys know him. He was a he was a Super Bowl hero for you. Patrick Robinson, the Saints yep. signed him from you guys, and he got hurt his first year with the Saints. He broke his ankle, and last year they couldn't cut him because it was cheaper to keep him on the roster than cut him. And he came back this year, and he has been a godsend. He hasn't played tremendous amount of snaps, but he's been a godsend. He it's it's just one of these things that you don't think about as a fan, like when we're doing predictions, right, for the year, Kyle. We're like, well, this and that. Nobody says, well, you know, if the Saints, if they're fourth corner, how's your fourth corner? Because in de- in, in December, you might have to play him. How's your third string offensive tackle? Because in December, you might have to fucking start. Like, the Saints roster, they have answers for all these questions that isn't some random UDFA from nowhere state that a team can roast. Like, their third, fourth corner is Patrick Robinson, a guy who won a Super Bowl with Philadelphia who was great. And they can put him out there. And, yeah, he's not maybe as good as he was, but you know he's not going to be an abject disaster. And that's one of the underrated things for the Saints, the, the, the last two years especially. Yeah, I can't wait for Patrick Robinson and Malcolm Jenkins to have interceptions in this game and just <laughs> everything light on fire, especially since it's both of their first times back at the link since they went to the Saints. Like it, It's just setting itself up for – an absolute disaster and a firestorm on Howie Roseman, and I'm I'm just gonna get my popcorn ready and get ready for this top well, five I pick. Have a, 
I have a question for you. I have a question for you. What do you guys want to have happen? Because technically you're not out of the NFC race, NFC East race. Do you want it to crash? Are you rooting for it to crash, burn, and get people fired? Or are you still clinging to like the vestiges of hope that some kind of way can be turned around? I don't want this team to make the playoffs because it, it, it was just due too much long-term harm to this team for them to make the playoffs when you're in position right now to potentially have a top five pick and with this draft class coming up there's so many positions of need with talented players in the draft I just need it it all comes back to Howie Roseman ever since you know the final years of Andy Reid things went south with drafting and free agent signings and everything Chip Kelly comes in those two didn't get along Howie gets pushed to the other side of the building until Chip leaves and now it's all coming out that, you know, Howie Roseman thinks he's the smartest man in the room. So the common denominator with the Eagles struggling has been Howie Roseman. And I just hope Jeffrey Lurie, like, lets go of his, his boy's hand and lets him ride off into the sunset because he can't be back here next year. I think Doug Peterson drastically misses the likes of Frank Reich and John Filippo and, and guys that can actually scheme. I think Doug is a great leader of men. I think he's a good head coach. But he needs people around him that can scheme. And the Eagles mm-hmm. brought in too many just like trinket type of coaches this year that yeah. did absolutely nothing to really help this team. Mm-hmm. And I, I want things to work out for Carson Wentz here. Like I want nothing more than for him to be on the top of that mountain where he belonged in 2017 and and have his moment of glory. I just don't know what's going to happen with it now, especially mm-hmm. since you know, they're saying he's just benched for this week. Maybe they'll, you know, just get his head right for this. But who knows what happens with that. And yeah. if Carson ends up moving on, I feel like he is going to be this generation's Drew Brees. Yeah. He's going to go to a different team, put on a show with that franchise, probably win a Super Bowl or two, and then make everybody in Philadelphia look like complete asshats. Well, I'll say this before we get out of here. I- the thing is, to me, is what I've learned watching Sean Payton is not that quarterback talent doesn't matter and not that great quarterback talent. You, if you can get a franchise quarterback, of course you want one. But man, oh man, if you have a great coach, they can solve your problems. Like Sean Payton, he's won with three different quarterbacks. And I know people laugh about it, but I think they're gonna, like I think next year they're going to they're going to roll. They're probably going to. They're probably going to sign Taysom to a below market extension and pay him like between fourteen and eighteen million dollars a year for two or three years. They probably draft a guy really high just in case, you know, and let him fight it out. And like it'll be okay if Taysom is healthy. Now he's older and he has an injury history, but if Taysom is healthy, like Sean Payton's going to figure out a way to make like Sean Payton will make you successful. He's like Sean Payton. He's not wedded to all these ideas of like, this is my, you know, like Bruce Arians, like I throw deep. This is what I do. Biscuit or biscuit. (laughs) Like Sean Payton is like, Oh, Denver doesn't have their quarterbacks. Okay. We're just throwing out the game plan. We're just going to run the ball. Taysom. If you turn the ball over, you're walking back to new Orleans. Right. So like he, he doesn't care about, it has to be my way. It's more of like the problem is we have to get first downs and score points. How do we solve that problem? And I just think it's one of his it's one of his great traits. Now he's an arrogant son of a bitch about it, 
but when it push comes to shove, he will do whatever it takes to win. Like, like say, say the Eagles game Sunday gets to be a mess and the weather's terrible and it's kind of a slog and it's closer than we think. If it takes him calling seven quarterback powers for Taysom in the fourth quarter, guess what he's going to fucking do? He's going to call seven Taysom quarterback powers. And if that's what it takes to win, that's what he'll do. He's not wedded to like this one certain way of playing, which I think it gives it gives him the strongest advantage and the strongest chance, I think, for the Saints to be okay post Drew Brees. Yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting Sunday, to say the least. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure the LSU crossover Saints fans are thrilled that they're going to get a chance to uh, watch their team, you know, potentially destroy Jalen Hurts again. Um <laughs> Ralph, you're the absolute man. Let everybody know where they can check you out on social, <laughs> listen to the podcast, and uh, you know read just all your stuff. Wherever you do social or your podcast, just search Saints Happy Hour Podcast. Uh, if you're a Saints fan, check us out. Or if you're an Eagle fan and you want to hate against teams that you don't like in the playoffs and the Saints play a team in the playoffs, listen to us then and uh, enjoy us because we are – about having fun and making jokes and laughing at we either we either laugh with the saints or we laugh at them like that's our motto so um join us and uh guy thanks for having me on and uh we'll talk we'll talk again down the line by the way let everybody know at saints happy hour the new logo is absolute fire (laughs) the the cartoon beer yeah we we paid a we paid a guy in malaysia 18 dollars for that (laughs) money well spent that's right. uh, Ralph, you're the absolute best. Hopefully uh, this game isn't as awful as it seems to be on paper and uh, the Eagles keep losing so they get a better draft pick. Well, there you go. So there you have it, Eagles fans. This week, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna have a, a hell of a week because not only are the Eagles going to be in turmoil and, and it's going to be a stressful week, but it's going to be at the hands of Taysom Hill Malcolm Jenkins, who I love dearly. Shout out, Malcolm. And the New Orleans Saints. Where I thought this game was going to be when the season started. I thought this was going to be a game the Eagles could steal. And look where we're at now. The Eagles are starting Jalen Hurts at quarterback. And the season is pretty much over at this point. So, you got to go for the draft pick in my book. I think it's too detrimental for this team long-term to go and, and attempt any shot at making the playoffs. And with the, the Giants and the Washington football team winning uh, in Week 13, there's there's almost no chance this team wins the division. So go for the easier route, go for the draft pick, and, and try to reset some things in this organization because it needs to be done. Shout out to my man, Ralph Malbro, for hopping on the show. Make sure you guys are following him on Twitter, and uh, checking out Saints Happy Hour, one of the best Saints media entities out there. They produce incredible content. And like I said, their new logo is absolutely fire. Um, so shout out to my man Ralph for hopping on the show this week. And make sure you guys are following us on Twitter at UndergroundPHI on Twitter and Instagram. You can check out the website, UndergroundSportsPhiladelphia.com. All of our written content goes up over there. And of course, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on a single week of Eagles Enemies or any of our other Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast feed shows. That includes the main show, the Dan Russo Show. All that good stuff is on this podcast feed. Underground Sports Philadelphia, Apple Podcasts, 
Make sure you drop a five-star rating and review. Let me know how you feel about this Eagles team for the rest of the season. It's going to be a wild ride. Five stars only because we have standards. We know you do too. Let's hit 300 by the end of 2020. It would be absolutely incredible if we can hit that milestone. It would mean a lot to me and the rest of the team. You can also check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. And we'll be back next week for another episode of Eagles Enemies with a brand new guest as the Eagles get set to take on Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, and the Arizona Cardinals. But Saints week, going to be a doozy. As always, you guys are the absolute best listeners on the planet. Again, shout out to my man Ralph for hopping on the show from Saints Happy Hour. And uh, this has been another edition of Eagles Enemies, presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. I'm your host, KB, and as we always say, no matter what the status of this team is, go Birds!